From the world-famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. We hope this finds you well. Greetings from our Smoothie King Center studios. I'm Sean Kelly. Pelicans and Clippers tonight. And the Pelicans will be looking to make it four in a row. This would be their longest win streak of the season. They owe one to the Clippers. And the uh, Pelicans rolling here now with three big wins uh, tied together by the Eastern Conference. Jump back into Western Conference play tonight. And also hope to build on the momentum of a win, uh, seven of last ten win stretch here for New Orleans. So hi again, everybody. We'll talk about tonight's basketball game coming up a bit later here on this Wednesday with David Wesley. Of course, it's a Wesley Wednesday. But uh, NFL is on our mind for sure as the NFL owners' meetings are getting set to wrap up in Orlando. And uh, Sean Payton, speaking earlier today, will be a part of our program here for you this afternoon. With that, let's bring in John DeShazer, Senior Chief, we call him. J.D., of course, from NewOrleansSaints.com and, of course, the Pelicans Radio Network. But he's been with us each day so far from Orlando. And greetings one more time, John, from the NFL owners' meetings. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. That senior thing sounds pretty good, you know. The senior just means only, that's all. Uh, uh, yeah, only or old. <laughs> one of the two. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, all right, so now uh, after previewing for us on Monday and uh, giving us a midway report on Tuesday, uh, what are some of the headlines or the big doings today that you can share with us about what's shaking down with the NFL owners' meetings? Well, they pretty much have wrapped up now. Uh, Commissioner Goodell actually spoke this morning, and uh, basically they talked about the, the, the rules changes uh, or the, the uh, adjustments that have been made. The, uh, the uprights are going to be – will be extended uh, five, five feet uh, upward. Um, obviously, uh, there will be a penalty, a sportsman, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for dunking the basketball. That is no longer – dunking the basketball, dunking the football on the crossbar. Yes. That's no longer allowed. And the the PAT will remain where it is for right now, but they will have an experimental process during the preseason where for two games, I think uh, each team will try their PATs, not from the 25 as was proposed by New England, but from the 20 uh, to kind of get a feel for it and see how much they like it. The two-point conversion will remain at the two-yard line. No problem there. But they will not move the PAT attempts back to the 25 for this season. They will just experiment with moving it back to the 20-yard line this preseason. You know, you and I talked yesterday and shared our thoughts about the whole dunking the football thing, and I think we've covered that. And everybody's had a lot of time to moan and groan about it in the last 24 hours. But this PAT idea, uh, I kind of like it. I kind of like moving it back to the 20-yard line. I don't know how you do, uh, but that's the way I feel. Well, I actually do, and I, and I think, I, I believe, owners and coaches do. Otherwise, um, there wouldn't have been an experimental process with it during this preseason, they just would have shot it down. But it's been tabled, and so that means it's still active. And I think it's something that intrigues uh, teams because think about it. If you have a pretty good offense, you if you're going for two-point conversions, you only have to convert half the time. 
to basically get the same conversion rate as you would with two PATs. I mean, so if you get a two-point conversion and two touchdowns, that's 14 points. If you get two PATs and two touchdowns, that's 14 points. So if you're a good offense and you can score from two yards out, you know, you might consider going for two all the time. And if you've got a 70 or 80% success rate, man, you're ahead of the game. So I think uh, I think owners like it a little bit. I think coaches like it a little bit. The only problem might be if they're talking about, you know, safety rules, that is an extra actual play. Now, not that the PAT wasn't a play, but, you know, guys aren't really going hard on PATs. And this would, you know, you'd have to draw up an actual play and, you know, dig into your trick bag because, you know, I think coaches like, have favorite plays, not really, you know, special plays or, or anything, you know, that you hadn't ever seen before, but they have plays that, you know, are their pet peeves for two yards. And so they might have to dig a little deeper to expand the playbook a little bit. But yeah, I think, I think owners and I believe that the coaches are intrigued by it and they might want to want to deal with it. So they're going to have a little experiment with it this, this preseason. And we'll see how many teams actually go for the 20, you know, from the 20 and kick the PAT and how many forsake that and just, to go for two. Yeah, it is It is a drastic thing. So I didn't think it would be just all of a sudden, here you go, it's now a part of our game. You know, you, you knew there had to be some kind of a trial period. Um, and I do, John, though, think that it does provide some advantage to those teams that play all of their home games in a dome stadium. I know it's still a chip shot for most of these guys, but let's say in Buffalo or a few other places where you're playing outdoor for half of your football games – um, this can be a little bit of a factor, don't you think? All right. Absolutely. Now, granted, most of those kickers are, you know, get accustomed to kicking under those conditions. But I mean, if you're talking about, you know, a messy field or, or and those kinds of things, yeah, you you're going to be a lot less likely. Or if it's raining hard, you might be a lot less likely to try from the twenty or the twenty-five, you know, as opposed to just going for two. So you know, yeah, it, it had become an automatic play under all conditions where it was, you know, they made, you know, 1,267 attempts, 1,262 successful conversions last season. So, it, you know, under all conditions, it had become pretty much an automatic play. But if you, you know, muck up the weather a little bit and you move it back, you know, you know, to the 20 or the 25, then teams are going to reconsider that thing. And then all of a sudden, I think you do get a more competitive game and a, and a more, you know, a more fruitful play because I think teams will go for it, you know, two-point conversions more so. John DeShazer with us from Orlando, Florida. The NFL owners' meetings here on Black and Blue Report. Still to come, David Wesley to talk about tonight's Pelicans and Clippers game. But the uh, majority of our show today and part of it tomorrow uh, is uh, centered around Coach Payton's comments in Orlando recorded earlier today. Uh, John, you were a part of the media contingent to speak with Coach Payton for nearly an hour this morning. Um, What would you say was the tone of the uh, press conference and uh, perhaps some of the highlights that we're going to hear in these pieces that we play on the Black and Blue Report. Well, very laid back tone. I mean, Coach Payton, you know, pretty much addressed, you know, what the what you know some of the moves that the team has made this off season, whether it be the release of you know some valued veterans or you know the acquiring of or, or the agreeing to sign uh, Jarris Bird. Um, they talked about the Darren Sproles situation in, in terms of you know the, the team parting ways with Darren and and trading him, and all of a sudden he goes from, you know, you think you can get a seventh-round pick, and all of a sudden it turns into a fifth-round pick and how they have a high value on a fifth-round pick in this particular draft. So he had some pretty interesting things to say about, uh, you know, what the team has done this offseason and and how it looks moving forward. Uh, You know, the team doesn't have a a starting center right now. You know, Brian De La Puente is on the free agent market, but he believes that Tim Lolito 
an undrafted rookie from last season could be a guy who could who could be in the mix and he believes Traveris Cadet, a kid who will, you know, with an undrafted rookie running back in two thousand twelve, can take some of those snaps in Darren Sproles' place. You know, he says you can't obviously you can't replace a Darren Sproles, but you know, he believes Cadet can do some of those things to help uh help, you know, buffer that that absence. So they had some interesting things to say. Well, my friend, we're anxious for you to get back home. That's for sure. But nice work. We'll look for uh, uh, all of your uh, your gatherings on NewOrleansSaints.com, and then you'll be back uh, on the broadcast with us for Friday night, won't you? Absolutely. You know what? I'm so twisted up. I can't even remember who would play on Friday, to be honest with you. It'll be it really the, doesn't matter. Yeah, it'll be the Utah Jazz, but we're going to try and get the Clippers first tonight. So um, safe travels, my friend, and I appreciate you coming on. Oh, anytime. You know me. All right. I'll be there for you. John DeShazer with us here on the Black and Blue Report. When we come back, we'll start playing you the tape of Coach Payton from this morning at the NFL owners' meetings. It's yours after this quick timeout. There's no better time to join your Pelicans as we take flight. All-star Anthony Davis is taking his team to the next level, and the Pelicans are soaring to new heights. 2014-15 season tickets are on sale now and start at less than $300, with lower bowl options as low as $37 per game. Season ticket benefits include the best seat locations, discounts on concessions, and much more. Take flight with the Pelicans. For more info, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. As one Entergy customer to another, I have a tip for you. Download the free Entergy app. If my power goes out, I check the app. The outage maps let me know what's happening and when to expect my lights back on. It also makes it easy to pay my bill and manage my account, all right from my smartphone. Download the app today or visit EntergyApp.com for more information. Giving me control in the palm of my hand? That's the power of people. Entergy. All right, so let's get right into this. This is uh, head coach Sean Payton of the New Orleans Saints. Earlier today at the NFL owners meetings in Orlando, Florida, uh, you'll hear that this is taking place, it sounds like, in a restaurant, but a uh, gathered of a group of media surrounding Coach Payton and uh, starting up the conversation, Coach Payton was asked about his general thoughts on the offseason so far. You know, every offseason, you kind of head into it with certain goals. Um, you know, I think the key component that oftentimes gets overlooked is the the initial period of time after your season's over with and the importance of grading your own roster. And uh, excuse me. And um, I think that starts the process and then and then you know there's always the tough decisions. We've had a lot of um, we've had a lot of players win a lot of games for us. This was a year where it was probably the first cycle, if you will, of guys in our first draft class in 2006, Roman Harper. You saw players like Will Smith, who was prior to 2006, um, Jabari Greer, Malcolm Jenkins, John Velma, and those guys have been the, really the foundation of what we built. Um, and so it's it's it never gets easier when there's change that's made like that, and yet you know, we were able to bring in a player like Jairus Bird. We were able to find a fullback that we felt initially going in wasn't even a targeted area, but we felt uh, was a very good football player. And 
Um, signing Zach was important, and signing Pierre was important. We, did, we, we didn't think we were going to be able to handle all the running backs, uh, both Pierre and Darren, and, and they're uniquely different. But, um, you know, it's, it's kind of an ongoing process. And, and quite honestly, they're still... Uh, a handful of players that are going to have value with contracts at this time in free agency, maybe uh, more so than ever. Is the opposite kind of true with Sproles, where maybe he got a good grade, but the contract just didn't work out for him? Well, he, he, he is someone we've graded high. Number one, he, he's very intelligent. You know, I can't think of many, if any, times where he does something on the field, on the field that you're not expecting him to do, and that's a good trade. Uh, he's very competitive. He's a great teammate, and and really it, it came down to a vision as to where we were at, and then us feeling like we were younger at some positions, and and then the discussion of a trade came up, and there was more than two teams interested, and, and all of a sudden, what you know what you were hoping for was a seven becomes a six, and then pretty soon you're discussing a fifth round pick, and in this year's draft. Um, that's, that's pretty considerable. And so uh, I think he's going to a good place, you know, a system, I'm sure, with Chip and those guys. Ironically, a place that was one of the teams competing for his services when we signed him, coming away from San Diego. So, uh, but he's a special guy. Coach, have you had any um, discussions about using the fifth year option for Morgan? We haven't had any discussions. Do you think no. is that something that would interest you down the road? When the time comes. How do you replace we'll discuss it. <laughs> How do you replace Sproles in the offense? Well, there's there's a number of ways. Um, number one, uh, Tavares Cadet is a player who's, who's played in that role. Um, you know, over the years now, we're in, going into our ninth season offensively. There's, we've had a number of key contributors to to what's been a pretty good offense. Um, there's been times we've done it without Marcus Colston. There was an offense prior to Jimmy Graham, um, prior to Darren Sproles, and one of the key components is uh, an overall understanding philosophically of where guys need to be. Um, I, don't, I don't think you ever replaced specifically a, a skill set like Darren's. You know, it's unique, and it's... Uh, different than really our league scene in a while for a player like his stature. So, but with regards to his touches, with regards to opportunities, you know, Tavares is a guy that has played and is now going into his third year. And you have a lot of other running backs on yeah. the roster. Obviously, you kept Pierre, and then you found gold with Kyrie Robinson and mm-hmm. Mark Ingram. How do you balance all that? And is it a step toward being more run-oriented? No, I wouldn't say that. Um, we've, we've carried and, and had uh, quite a bit of depth at that position. We've always felt it's important. Um, we've been very fortunate in free agency after the draft yep. and finding Pierre Thomas and Chris Ivory and uh, guys like Tavares Cadet or Kyrie Robinson. These are all guys, you know, that period of time that takes place after the seventh round, which is about two to three hours is uh, is amazingly important, you know, and, and we've been fortunate enough to, in our, in our scouts and, and pro personnel people, everyone involved in the process has done a very good job in that, and we've been able to secure 
some pretty good football players that way. Yeah. But you're not saying you're necessarily going to be more run oriented. Right. You're not going in with that mindset. Correct. I mean, obviously, if you're up big in the game. What have you seen in Traveris that you feel like he can come in? He's got very good ball skills. He's a guy that can run the routes in that tree. When you talk about a choice route, when you talk about an option, he can play from in the backfield, but he can play from extended positions. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean he's a wide receiver. It just means he's a running back in space. So I think that he's someone that uh, is very comfortable in that role. Uh, and I, I think he can run. I know his first season, 12, you know, he kind of came into camp as a receiver, and then we switched him back into running back. But he is a utility player that has gotten better at just the poor skill sets of being a runner, but is very comfortable when it comes to being a receiver out of the backfield. How kind of along the same lines that, you know, you got you lose Darren and Lance, who would be kind of they were part of that return game for so long. I mean, do you see Cadet doing similar thing there, or are you looking for someone else to come in? Well, I, I think he's, he's been a kickoff guy for us. Um, we'll have to see with regards to punt. But you mentioned a Lance Moore. Uh, you know, there's another player who really is uh, a guy that's been with us from day one. So, you know, as, as we're into the ninth season here, there's been a lot of change, and yet there's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of excitement too with, with younger players, and we've gotten younger very quick, specifically on defense. Um, but with regards to the punt return game, you know we'll have to see how that competition shakes out, and uh, that'll be that'll be something that you know, we'll pay close attention to because Darren's handled that role before. Obviously, Lance has backed up that role and, and participated in it, and. Uh, We'll kind of see how that unfolds. You mentioned Colston. Uh, how much do you see? Uh, obviously, you feel he has a lot left. You know, he and Devery and Lance were together for so long, mm -hmm. and now he remains. What do you see from him? Well, he played some of his better football late in the season. Um, so he battled some soreness in his foot. It wasn't easy, but uh, he's such a target, a competitor inside. And... I think the key is just monitoring his snaps during training camp. The things that you got to start doing with a player like him uh, during the during the season with regards to practice time. Um, but I know he's someone inside. He's very strong, strong-handed, um, very disciplined with his routes. He, he knows all the positions. Uh, so you know he's been a very consistent, steady player for us for a long time. Coach, at this point, what's the plan at center? Are you guys still trying well, to it's still unfolding, so it would be premature really to just say, hey, here's our plan today. Uh, we feel like we've got some good young linemen in the building, and I'm sure that as we get back to New Orleans and, and we still continue to look at our boards, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there possibly is a player sign. But Tim Lolito would be a guy that's going to be in the mix uh, someone competing for that opportunity. Uh, so we'll see you know, who it is he's competing against. But we feel like he's got a chance to be that player. And yet, you know, we think it's essential maybe to have someone that, that uh, and, and it could very well be uh, a guy like De La Puente or another player who's out there. So um, that's what I'd say. 
shown yesterday that the rule about no dunking on the goalpost got a lot of kind of buzz with players. Jimmy, uh, especially, what do you, what do you think of it as a coach, and well, especially with a guy who likes to? I didn't know we passed it. I mean, I didn't. Um, at some point, I guess it was discussed. I, um, I, I I didn't really think too much of it anymore. Well, you, have to, well, you have to tell Jimmy, all right. I could tell Jimmy that we we uh, I don't know I don't know if it was a competition committee's rule or um, it just wasn't a part of our meeting. All right, again, head coach Sean Payton from the NFL owners' meetings this morning. We'll continue listening in on that tape when we come back. Hey there, what you having? Um, what kind of specials do you have today? Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. Nicotine? Listen, I'm going to hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini. Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org. Welcome back. Once again, let's go back to Orlando, Florida, where head coach Sean Payton spoke to the media earlier today at the NFL owners' meetings. We'll pick the conversation back up as coach was asked about the Jimmy Graham contract process and how he thinks it will progress. I think it, um, I'm not, it's hard to put a timetable on it, but I would say very similar to Drew's. I think all of us felt like it's just a matter of not if, but when. I guess the nervous anticipation, I mean, people... I don't know if there's nervous anticipation. Well, I guess outside the building. I mean, inside, you guys know, you know, you guys have a decent amount of time. Yeah. So I guess you kind of understand the the anxiety of, you know, people follow the team wondering, oh, when's Jimmy going to get signed? How much is it going to cost? You guys are all tight against the salary cap, that sort of thing. Yeah, but I mean, I I think that the fans anymore are so um, educated with regards to franchise tag compared to a player that would be a true free agent. You know, I think they understand that part of it. And um, But all of them, including you know, ourselves, you know, we, we're anxious to get it done. And uh, you know, he's an important part to what we do, what, what, of what we do. The business part of this isn't new for you. I mean, obviously, the thing is about as big as this. How do you, how do you handle it? Do you... Put it aside. Do you deal with it? Like, you deal with him on a regular basis. Like, how do you handle all this business? I think. I think the one thing that's important is is the the conversations and the time you spend prior to the process beginning. In other words, the meetings that might take place prior to a phone call. Uh, just really staying on the same page. I think the players nowadays. Players always really appreciate just direct, upfront honesty, and, and you know they know it's a process. And, and Jimmy's got great representation. Uh, there's a ton of respect between a guy like Jimmy Sexton and Mickey Lomas. All of those things are, are, are what makes it 
positive, although difficult at times, uh, process. You kind of prepare, like, as if, you know, when he's when practice comes, you almost kind of prepare. If he won't be there, you say, all right, Ben, you know. Yeah, I mean, the younger guys are going to get reps. He's, he's at a point in his career where he, he has good grasp as to what we're doing. There seems to be a lot of depth in the draft of young quarterbacks. I know you like Ryan and you head chase for a while. Would you, if you like the depth of the quarterback position in this draft, would you consider, you know, drafting a guy that potentially back up through and room? I don't know that we're looking specifically to look to. There's some players that we see of value, you know, early. Typically those players get drafted earlier than later. I think that um, I would say this. Uh, I, I think you're always looking at that position, uh, and yet you started the question with with Ryan. And he, his first year, he's been outstanding. Uh, you know, he transitioned well into training camp. He was able to take uh, the offense to the field pretty pretty smoothly, and uh, so his first year has been very very solid. But, but I do think that you're always paying attention to that, that quarterback class, and I think there's some unique skill sets in this year's class, and um, it makes it exciting. I think it's a good draft. Sean, you guys like to draft the best available, more so than need. Are yeah. you pretty close to that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, every once in a while you, you get to a position in the draft and there's a couple players that are sitting with similar grades. You know, those times... You might lean towards uh, a need-based decision, but that all being said, I, um, I know Ryan and Ryan Pace, Rick Ripers, those guys have been working hard on setting our board. Um, there's still a lot of time. You know, typically we're at these owners' meetings and you feel like the draft's around the corner and it's a little bit later schedule-wise than than we're used to, and, and I think that works out well. There's more time for us to evaluate the tape and uh, really, to, you know, to come up with uh, the right guys on your front board. And so we're excited about it. It's a chance for us to to improve our team, and, and, uh, and especially in a season where we're coming in with you know additional pick in the fifth round. I think that's helpful. What was the process of moving on from Malcolm, someone you want to you know, want a Super Bowl with, draft pick, and then signing Jarisburg? Uh, kind of take us through that process of, of you know, again. One to I, I think um, early in the process, Jarris was someone that we identified as, as a player we would we would love to target. We just didn't know if he was going to get franchised or not. So there's a period of time where you know it's a wait and see. Um, he's got tremendous ball skills. His ball production both in the passing game and in the running game uh, are outstanding at the top of the league. Um, we knew he had good football intelligence. And the bigger question is just at the start of free agency, are you going to be able to sign a player like like him? Meanwhile, Malcolm uh, was a rookie our Super Bowl season in 09. He's been a, a really a mainstay on offense, whether he's playing safety, he's played over the nickel slot. He knows everyone's position and, and clearly been one of our core leaders. So when you when you lose a player like Malcolm or John Velma, um, Will Smith, uh, Tavari Greer, those are all starters. 
just five years ago on that team. And I think it's uh, it's always difficult, especially for the players in the locker room. It's difficult, you know, for the coaches that you're you're emotionally tied to these guys uh, like family, and especially when you have success that we've been able to have. Um, but fortunately, we were able to get the first visit from uh, from Jarris and. It was outstanding. You know, he did a he did a great job. You know, in a short period of time, you get to know someone. His father played very, very well in this league, and uh, credit Mickey and everyone involved in the process of getting someone like him signed because we think it really adds to our secondary. He can complement. He and Kenny uh, uh, are two different but very good football players that we feel like uh, are young and, and we're excited about. What's the challenge when you're going after a you know a high-priced guy like Jarris and you're, under, you're tight against the cap? I mean, it's almost like it's take, you're taking a risk because that, that might be like your only shot at free agency. I mean, how, how do you juggle that challenge? Uh, when well, you go after I don't know that. I mean, the risk is just is like asking her out on a date. You know, he might he might say no, and yet you got to be comfortable in in, 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 in trying to go after someone and, and approaching uh, so Mickey was good during this time you know you, you each year I think one of the mistakes made or one of the things we try to avoid is saying we have to get a corner in free agency or we have to get a safety in free agency and it's more player specific like when we really like this player it doesn't mean we can get him but we've tried to be specific with players as opposed to just a position group. And so some years, you know, you, you target someone and all of a sudden there's a visit somewhere else and the phone rings and, you know, it never ends up and, and you weren't able to secure services or the money maybe is out of your range because of what you were willing to pay. And so I think in, in, in the case of Jairus, it's it was one of those where you're from afar, you just keep waiting, all right, what... Who else is going to visit him first, or how? And then, you know, his plane has landed. Okay, perfect. <laughs> All right. And then, so it's a process. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, you celebrate that process when all of a sudden there's a decision that's made, and and uh, and that's the reason you keep asking. All right. So there's two very good chunks of what Coach Payton had to say this morning in Orlando. Tomorrow we'll feature a little bit more. Uh, from the 57-minute session with the media. Again, that's tomorrow's Black and Blue Report. Uh, as a matter of fact, tomorrow's a pretty big show. Coach Payton, uh, Harry Connick Jr., scheduled to appear, Mark Stein of ESPN.com, and hopefully we'll be recapping a Pelicans win over the Los Angeles Clippers. Speaking of Pelicans Clippers, we'll talk about that ball game in just a moment as we welcome in David Wesley during a Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. I'm Pelicans forward Jason Smith. Every day, one in six Louisiana households are at risk of hunger. I'm attorney Morris Park, and every day, Second Harvest Food Bank helps thousands of our local neighbors in need. That's why I'm teaming up with the New Orleans Pelicans to ask you to join us in the fight against hunger. Text the word Pelicans to 80088 to join the Second Harvest family, and you will also have a chance to win autographed Pelicans gear, floor seats to a game, and much more. Join us, because together we can solve hunger. 
Check out all-star Anthony Davis and the Pelicans at the Smoothie King Center as we host some of the NBA's most exciting teams during this March homestand. Don't miss Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and the L.A. Clippers on Wednesday the 26th and the Utah Jazz on Friday, March 28th. Tickets are available for these all-star packed games for as low as $11. So call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your seats today. Guess what day it is. Hump day. Well, yeah, and it's Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. Back here on a Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. Wednesday, as you know, means Wesley Wednesday. And David Wesley, uh, right on cue, has joined us here on the podcast as the Pelicans get set for the Los Angeles Clippers tonight at Smoothie King Center. David is uh, dutifully preparing for his broadcast tonight on Fox Sports New Orleans. But before I ask you about tonight's game, David, how about the win over the Nets on Monday night in overtime? What what a what a brilliant performance by the, the collective group. Um, just going out and and just never quitting. They never quit. Uh, they had every reason probably to quit. Tired, been going at it. Uh, just came off a high of beating Miami a team that destroyed them in Brooklyn now is beating them by 22 early in the third. And they found a way to just put some things together, start making some baskets, holding Brooklyn without a basket for about five minutes, a little over, and and then caught up. And a lot of times when you catch up, you run out of steam. You can't quite close the deal. They go down by eight or ten again. Close it back up, get in overtime, and win the game. Awesome. My favorite game of the year. Wow. Favorite one, huh? Oh, easily. Easily. Showed a lot of moxie out there. When you look back at the the game that you're calling your favorite one, and then the win over Miami, and then in a kind of a dead environment in Atlanta, is there one common thread through the last three wins that sticks out to you? Um. I think I saw you mention it somewhere, but but I I also saw the same thing of of them. Oh, uh, you asked coach about it, shooting seventy five percent against um, in the in the fourth quarter, sixty three percent in the, the Atlanta, sixty three and seventy five in the Atlanta and Heat game, scoring well in the second half in the Brooklyn game. I think the fact that they've been able to score when it counts and get stops when they need it has been huge in these three games. Would you call what we're watching a glimpse of what's to come or the resolve of a team that seemingly doesn't have much to play for at this point in the season? I like it more the resolve. Um, what's to come is, is unknown. I, I think some players are, are putting themselves in a good position uh, to, to be here next year. I think when you have a season like like this, when there's really nothing uh, bigger to play for, then you're really playing for your future and where you stack up as a rotation guy going into next year. Certainly a lot of guys need to get better at a lot of things, but uh, the resolve of this team right now with nothing really to play for, going out competing each and every night, and doing it unselfishly because 
this is when selfish basketball happens. I'm playing for a contract. I'm playing for my, my life. I'm going to go out here and get 50 or try to. I don't see that. I see guys playing together and, and really going out, playing it the right way, and, and because of it, getting wins. Does the confidence gained in the last three wins help enough tonight to pull off an upset of the Clippers? Well, I don't. I don't see any reason why not. You know, if, if I thought that there would possibly be a letdown with the Brooklyn game, and certainly there wasn't uh, good basketball in the first half, a lot of turnovers, um, didn't shoot it particularly well. But hey, at home, Clippers coming in. I'm not sure when. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm, I think they can. I think they can do it. I, I think they're in a nice groove. It's, a, it's amazing what confidence and you know having the momentum can do, and the way they're playing. Um, John Calipari said of his team, they're now playing with the uh, playing for the good of the group. That's what this team is doing. I, I like that. I like that statement. Playing for the good of the group, not individual stats they definitely have a chance. There's been some criticism at different times of the season, David, about head coach Monty Williams. Fair or unfair, I'll let our listeners decide and and you to, to, to think to yourself on that. But if you look at the last three games and where we are at this point in the season, another injury, this one to Eric Gordon, is Monty Williams doing his best coaching right now here in late March during all these home games? I, I, I would think so. Uh, you know, I, I, I um, you know, it's it's easy to to sit back, and I read on Twitter. Guys, Twitter uh, tweet me during the game. Why isn't he doing this? Why isn't he doing that? And uh, you know, last night, uh, you know, why don't why don't you take Anthony Davis off of Paul Pierce? Well, you take Anthony Davis off of Paul Pierce. Now you put him on a bigger center, bigger forward, and he ended up in foul trouble which they were trying to avoid. So it's easy to sit back and go, well, why don't you just, and and like you said, we'll let the listeners, you know, continue to do that as well as figure this out for themselves. But I think he's doing an excellent job. I, I mean, if you take Anthony Davis, Tyreek Evans out of the equation, he played up with guys for their career that have been backups. We're talking three, four to 15 minutes per game, not necessarily counted on to finish games, not necessarily counted on to make the big plays. That's what he has out there. So, and these guys are performing. He has coached them up. He has given them the, the confidence. He's put the lineups out there. And, yeah, he's not always doing everything right. So he goes back, he checks it out, and says, okay, I'll do it different next time. I something think to be said for that. Job. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you, David. I'm sorry. No, I was, I was, I was saying the same thing. I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said for that. Give me a preview, if you, if you don't mind, just a couple of bullet points about tonight's ball game. I think we know some of the obvious things. Anthony Davis is on a roll. Tyreek's playing well, and the Clippers rolling here with their big guns, Paul Griffin, and others. Um, what, what turns this game tonight in your eyes? I, I think. Uh, something they they did against the heat 
they didn't do it as well. They did better in the second half, but they didn't do it as well to start the game. This They don't want to play from behind, and they can't turn the ball over. Tyreek was a big part of that, and if you handle the ball as much as he does, he's going to have a lot of – he's going to have high turnovers at times. He had seven turnovers last night, the game before he had none. So there will be games where you just get out of sync. I think if they don't turn the ball over and they can score, take good shots in the offense where everybody knows, hey, the ball's going up, the guards can get back, bigs can go rebound and then sprint back. If they can continue to do that, that's going to be huge for them having a chance to win tonight. Well, let's make it four in a row. That would be the first four-game win streak of the season, and I'd sure love to do it against that team, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Uh, but this is a extremely hot team winning 11 in a row and 13 of 14. So they're definitely playing on all cylinders. I think the last three wins of playoff teams has been an eye-opener for this team, the confidence to give them uh, the, the, the you know, whatever it takes to go out here and play with confidence against the Clippers tonight and, and get a win. They're ripe for the taking, David Wesley. Have a great call tonight. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. <laughs> As always, I enjoy it. And a Wesley Wednesday tradition continues. As David Wesley joins us here on the Black and Blue Report, Joel Myers and David Wesley tonight on Fox Sports New Orleans. Coverage, of course, on the Pelicans Radio Network, too. More on this uh, Wednesday at the Black and Blue Report in just a moment. Every year, people whose statistics say would die from a serious health problem come to Auctioner and live. To us, nothing proves quality more than saving a life no one else could. In fact, on average, statistics say patients who come here are more likely to survive than at other hospitals in the state. Incredible outcomes aren't just happening at one hospital either. Seven of the top hospitals in the state for survival rates are Auctioner. We're also Louisiana's only hospital ranked by U.S. News & World Report in eight different specialties and number one in the country by care checks for liver transplant. It's no wonder people from all over the world come here. A higher quality of care. One more reason to choose Auctioner. And with hospitals and health centers all over the region, connecting is as easy as finding the Auctioner name. Learn more about why quality matters at auctionerquality.org. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Two notes regarding Pelicans personnel for tonight. Uh, Eric Gordon is still listed as day-to-day with the knee tendonitis. He's missed two games now. Uh, I'll be curious to see if he plays tonight against Los Angeles. And then I've got to think that Brian Roberts, um, there'll be some questions on whether or not he can play. If you remember from the Brooklyn game, Brian injured his knee. And after watching the video, I was shocked that he stayed in the game and was able to finish the night out. Um, we'll see how it is after some time. As you know, whether it be with an injury like that or if you're in a car accident, uh, you are adrenaline and you may be going just fine after the injury, but then when all that calms down, uh, it can be a whole different story. So tonight, of course, on the Pelicans Radio Network, we'll have our pregame visit with head coach Monty Williams, and I will ask him about uh, Gordon's status, but for sure Brian Roberts' status and see how his knee is doing since that painful landing he had against Brooklyn the other night. They've won seven of their last ten.
three straight, and I think for the third time this year they'll go for a four-game win streak. They've yet to get that done, but they've got a tough challenge tonight in the Clippers. They also feel like they owe the Clippers a thing or two. L.A.'s had the best of the series now over the last two and a half seasons. They're rolling. Um, They had an 11-game win streak not too long back, and now they've won a couple in a row again after stumbling two times after the 11-game win streak. So that means Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin all in the house tonight. If you're uh, catching our program today before the 7 o'clock tip-off and you want to zip on over to the game, I do believe there are still a limited number of tickets available still for tonight's game at 504-525-HOOP or at pelicans.com. Hope you enjoyed uh, Sean Payton today on the Black and Blue Report. We'll have more from Coach Payton tomorrow. Also on tomorrow's show, we're very excited to have Harry Connick Jr. scheduled to appear. And we'll get in-depth with NBA stuff from Mark Stein at ESPN.com. Very much looking forward to the Thursday show and then, of course, to the Monty Williams show tomorrow night. That'll do it for us over here at the Smoothie King Center from our studios inside the home of the Pelicans. I'm Sean Kelly. Daniel Sallerson's our producer today. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Pelicans tonight. And again, more Saints for you tomorrow from the NFL Owners Meetings. So long for just a while. And again, go Pelicans tonight. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.